0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: A uh, very warm welcome to Scorebox. These are your headlines. The US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, downplaying hopes of a diplomatic resolution over Ukraine and ratcheting up the pressure on China ahead of talks between President Biden and Xi Jinping.
2: It appears that China is moving in the opposite direction by refusing to condemn this aggression while seeking to portray itself as a neutral arbiter. And we're concerned that they're considering directly assisting Russia with military equipment to use in Ukraine. So it turns out no default, Russia fulfilling
1: dollar interest payments due on a set of bonds with JP Morgan reportedly processing the funds after securing approval from the US Treasury.
3: U.S. markets are on track for their first positive week in six, as the VIX nears a one-month low, while crude surges back above $100 a barrel in the best session since 2020. Chinese President Xi Jinping vows to ease the economic impact of Beijing's tough zero-COVID strategy as daily cases rise to their worst levels since the original outbreak.
4: And the French President Emmanuel Macron has unveiled his manifesto just three weeks ahead of the presidential election as he casts himself as a wartime leader. We must respond with clear-headed ambition, a will of commitment learnt from this past crisis and therefore a capacity to know how to better protect ourselves against future crises, preparing for them
0: altogether.
1: Good morning, everybody. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has downplayed the chances of ceasefires between Russia and Ukraine, warning there's no sign that the Kremlin is pulling back from its invasion. Mr. Blinken added that Washington would investigate potential war crimes by Russia's military following a series of attacks on Ukrainian civilian targets, including a drama theater in the city of Maripol. Blinken also warned that Russia could be poised to deploy chemical weapons, expand its use of mercenaries, and continue to kidnap local officials. Blinken told reporters he agreed with President Biden's assertion that Russia's Vladimir Putin is a war criminal.
2: President Biden said that, in his opinion, war crimes have been committed in Ukraine. Personally, I agree. Intentionally targeting civilians is a war crime after all the destruction of the past three weeks i find it difficult to conclude that the russians are doing otherwise
1: the president joe biden and china's xi jinping are set to hold talks today on the conflict in ukraine china is seen as one of russia's few remaining allies and has yet to condemn its invasion of ukraine biden is expected to warn xi that china will quote face costs if it backs russia by trying to ease the impact of Western sanctions. Blinken told reporters that China has a special responsibility of one of Russia's last remaining allies to push towards a peaceful solution and not escalate the conflict.
2: We continue to call on all nations, especially those with direct influence with Russia, to use whatever leverage they have to compel Moscow to end this war of choice. We believe China in particular has a responsibility to use its influence with President Putin and to defend the international rules and principles that it professes to support. Instead, it appears that China is moving in the opposite direction by refusing to condemn this aggression while seeking to portray itself as a neutral arbiter. And we're concerned that they're considering directly assisting Russia with military equipment to use in Ukraine.
1: Uh, Sam joins us in Singapore. Sam, there are so many aspects to the Xi-Putin, the Russia-China relationship, what Uh, China wants to see in the world order, what China wants to see in Europe and Ukraine. Just talk us through some of the key points you think uh, that potentially could come up between Biden and Xi.
5: Good morning to you, Steve. Absolutely. Just so many things at stake here in this critical US-China relationship. As you heard there, the US continues to warn Beijing about serious consequences if it provides material backing to Russia's efforts over in Ukraine. And so, according to the US side, Biden is going into this meeting with Xi to make it very clear to him, as you pointed out, that China will pay if it supports Russia. Of course, we have heard talk of these secondary sanctions, China being cut off from critical U.S. technology for things like chips if it helps Russia circumvent some of these sanctions. So no doubt the U.S. has got China's attention here, particularly against the backdrop of slowing economic growth. And so no doubt President Xi Jinping will be all ears in this phone call tonight, Beijing time. But Biden will also be as well because there's been some suggestion that he's trying to get a sense from President Xi Jinping as to where he really stands on this situation, given all these reports and all these claims. And perhaps he's trying to get a feeling for what limits there are on this no-limits friendship uh, that President Xi and President Putin have declared. Now, uh, that's how the U.S. is, of course, feeling about this uh, meeting and going into this. We haven't heard from the Chinese side uh, as sort of forward statements. But I have been talking to political analysts over in Beijing who suggested uh, that President Xi Jinping is likely to convey to Biden that China will be maintaining this neutral stance. It doesn't want to uh, be seen as taking a side here and backing Russia. Of course, we have heard from uh, China earlier in the week saying it would never attack Ukraine. And so there seems to be a sense up in Beijing at the moment that China doesn't want to be seen as really supporting Russia militarily despite a lot of beliefs over in Washington uh, that it is doing so and that is because uh, of course China has its own interests in seeing a peaceful resolution it calls here because of course it does do a lot of trade with the EU and the US more than it does with Russia. It's also got the Belt and Road Initiative and peace in the region is said to be critical to a lot of that investment. So as I say China has a lot at stake here as well. There is some suggestion that President and Xi Jinping is expected to be pretty firm with Biden uh, as well on the Taiwan issue because of course China was very angered by the US selling, sending a delegation of officials to Taiwan just days after uh, Russia went in and invaded Ukraine. Of course China doesn't like this notion of forging closer ties between uh, Taipei and also Washington particularly given there's been a lot of talk about drawing parallels between Taiwan and Ukraine but Beijing says they are not the same thing. Now of course there's been a lot of hopes and expectations that China will use this close relationship uh, with Russia uh, to try to mediate here. There's been a lot of suggestions that perhaps President Xi Jinping is the only person in the world who may have some leverage over Putin but political analysts have told me that are up in Beijing that it's not quite clear just how much influence President Xi Jinping can actually have here given that Putin uh, is really just a doing his own thing at the moment. So no doubt uh, this will be a very critical meeting uh, between the US and China in terms uh, of their relationship. It'll be very interesting to see how the two sides manage the optics here, particularly given that China uh, has been playing what is uh, perceived as a much uh, more careful game. Uh, The rhetoric's been very different. President Xi Jinping's only gone as far uh, as uh, calling for maximum restraint, whereas as you heard there, uh, Biden, on the other hand, has called Putin a war criminal. So uh, we'll be watching to see uh, what uh, comes out of that meeting. Nine o'clock tonight over in Beijing, guys. Back to you.
4: Sam, terrific. Thank you very much indeed for the reporting. Um, Let's focus on this Russia debt story for a moment. JP Morgan is reporting that... It has received and processed Russia's $117 million bond interest payment. So JP Morgan reportedly receiving and processing this bond payment. They say they've sent the money or the reports say they've sent the money onto to Citi, which is acting as the payment agent for the bondholders. However, as of Thursday, investors had still not received the payment, according to Bloomberg. S&P Global Ratings is warning that Russia still risks defaulting on its debt, even if the payment is delayed by technical problems, Karen.
3: Of the market action. Another bouncer, uh, one of the highest finishes for the S&P 500 in about a month. And you can see uh, it's made very strong gains over the course of the week and pushing off the correction territory where it had been trading. Now about 8.5% off the 52-week highs. So we're very much clawing back some territory along with other parts of the market from the Dow to the Nasdaq. You look at the Nasdaq performance this week, a bounce of 1.3% in session adding to that and almost uh, a strong enough position to, to really make a difference. We've managed to pull out of bear market territory on the Nasdaq over this week so it's uh, been a strong trade big stocks like Amazon instrumental to the trade yesterday for both the Nasdaq and for the S&P 500 United Health on the big movers for the Dow but it was again this relief on the back of the Fed relief uh hope that there's going to be some form of a breakthrough around Russia Ukraine but if you dig into the details, still concerns, I think, for many investors about what central banks do from here, whether there's uh, room for a policy mistake at this point, and also around Russia, Ukraine, uh, whether we are actually going to get the ceasefire that many hope for. Let me take you to the markets more broadly. <coughs> Week to date, and this was a performance. 6% on the Nasdaq, so you can see that our performance by technology stocks are there as the market. 4.6% on the Dow, nearly 5% on the S&P 500. Worth noting in session yesterday, energy did pick up some speed, but it is still the laggard for the week. As you look under the, the hood of these markets, you can see consumer discretion in one of the areas of the market that's been incredibly strong this week. I want to take you to the VIX. This is a so-called fear gauge. We hit that high, the two-decade high, at the end of February, uh, traveling to about 37.5. Since then, we've been falling fairly steeply and we've now dropped right back uh, after the three-week decline that we've witnessed. The lowest in about a month now for the VIX index. You can see hugging that 25 handle at this stage. So indication of the, some of the calming of sentiment that we're seeing out there. And the two big issues that I cited are being around uh, the geopolitics and also around central bank policy. Uh, treasuries, we've moved a lot over the course of this week on this bond market and you can see the two-year yield is sitting uh, just eight basis points off the 2% mark. So still very much in uh, similar territory where it has claimed this week. On the 10-year, we are also towards the highs of uh, 2022. So we remain around near that 2.2% level. Let me take you to the dollar. This has been a casualty over the course of the week. We have seen some pain on the greenback trade as uh, risk on currencies have picked up but more action and namely the euro for instance you've seen some improvement there but also the commodity currencies so morning session sterling after the move from the bank of england yesterday on interest rates another 25 basis points sterling is supported today 131.62. euros just slipping a little bit morning session after a strong run dollar firmer on some of the other major crosses and particularly you can see versus the ruble let's push on to oil early on you can see A 2% bounce on WTI and Brent. Both trades are firming up. We've pushed back above the $100 mark, as you can see. And we're going for, it looks like 110 early morning session as we sit just shy of that handle on Brent. 105.71 on WTI. Again, concerns around the Russia Ukraine situation pushing a lot of money back into this trade, at least short term. So the positioning is uh, still one that I think a lot of active managers are weighing up at this stage, Uh, not to mention, of course, the speculators and a lot of reports about how much some of the big hedge funds that have been uh, traditional players around the geopolitics have been trading the oil story. Let me take you to Asia. The early picture across Asia has been a little bit of weakness for the Hong Kong market, but I think we're all expecting that to creep in at some point after what has been an incredible run, the bounce back we've seen After the selling, the tech sector gaining some support. And I think there's real hope that now market regulators will not lean too hard on some of the big technology names in China. They've seen some of the pain that it's been inflicted. And uh, the suggestion now is that you may see more of an even keel approach from regulators rather than a a hard and tough approach. So what we've got a bit of a pullback on the market, just a little bit of profit taking Friday session. But elsewhere, very strong trade across the region. The Bank of Japan in focus, a very different approach From the central bank there versus what we've had from the Fed and from the Bank of England. That's important as we've seen. Still concerns there about the growth impact from Russia, Ukraine and of course uh, the COVID situation too that we're witnessing in China. The Japanese stock market six cents higher. Uh, Look at the European bourses over the course of the week. The standout performance we've really seen from these European markets. 5.6% up on the French market similar vein for the DAX. It has been a week, I think, where we've still got a lot of question marks around the geopolitics and what it means for the backdrop here in Europe, given the big import of energy. But markets at this stage are managing to push high. And we've reclaimed a lot of the levels, 6,600, for instance, on the French market. FTSE, don't forget uh, around the concerns initially around Russia, Ukraine. We did plunge below that 7,000 mark, so we're almost uh, creeping back up to 7,400.
1: Karen, I think this is very interesting. And I know your favourite market to look at at the moment is the nickel market as well. But the violence we've seen in the nickel market is being seen in a lot of other markets as well. And what I think is going on is very interesting. I think a lot of longer term investors are are just holding fire, staying out of this or keeping their position they've got at the moment. But we are seeing a lot of uh, day trading going on and violence in the movement of various products. It doesn't matter if it's the Dow Transports, which, I mean, if you've seen that one, that's up uh, 9% so far the week, just 9%. Or whether it's individual stocks or whether it's the commodities. And so that makes me question about the breadth and depth of the market as well, because the extreme violence we're seeing, funnily enough, is not being matched uh, by heavy VIX indicators. The VIX is high, and it's come off its very big highs. It was over 31, but it's still only around about 26 as well. Uh, And, Jeff, let me bring you in at this point as well. I think a lot of longer term investors are just sitting this out at the moment. But I think a lot of um, day traders and a lot of people who thrive on volatility and why not as well. If you're long premium, absolutely enjoy this period. There's plenty of periods uh, where you see stagnant moves as well. But I think there is aggression in a lot of these asset classes. Uh, And I think It actually underlines the fact that there are so many big issues. There are concerns about inflation. There are concerns, as you've been talking about quite rightly for a long time, about a recession following that inflation or indeed caused by that inflation. There are great concerns in China about COVID. There are concerns about tech regulation. Uh, And of course, uh, there are concerns about what the Fed and others are doing as well and indeed what we're seeing uh, in Ukraine. So many things to worry about, and I think it's creating violence.
4: No, I absolutely agree with you, Steve. But I I do think if you if you look through the fog, you can see some relatively clear trends, can't you? Even as perhaps buy on the dips hasn't worked as effectively as we've seen over the last two years here. And I think the chart pattern, particularly of the Nasdaq, shows you it it hasn't happened uh, with growth. Um, It is worth pointing out that um, we continue to see some resilience to try and pick a bottom at this stage. So there is some interest in coming back into the market. Just looking at gold as well, interesting that this is the worst week we've seen, it would seem, since late November for gold here. So what's going on? That's your traditional safe haven. That should be doing better if risk aversion is everywhere. But let me just throw out a thought, because it does seem that there is still good economic data out of the United States. We saw that yesterday on the claims data. It does seem that there is some interest in picking up uh, stocks at the moment and I do wonder let me just throw this thought out to you what will you be most cross about the fact that you stepped aside this market and uh, you, you, you basically preserved capital or the fact that there may be an unpredictable peace agreement that you didn't expect. And suddenly we get a relief rally rebound that you miss out on. Which one of those things will you feel most angry with yourself about? And maybe that explains why there is still interest in going back into this market when there are perceived to be uh, value opportunities again. Steve, I know we've got a guest ready, so I'll send it back to you.
1: Yes, we have. Let's, let's go straight to our next guest, actually. And I don't even want to, to reveal what he's going to say, because Detlef Glow is the head of EMEA Research at Refinitiv Lipper. Uh, Detlef, lovely to see you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I have fascination in what you've put out today, because despite the fact that there are net outflows, €57 billion euros to date... When you dig into the weeds, it's fascinating to see that this is about money market fund um, exits, it's about bond fund exits, so actually people are putting more money to work in the equity market and taking it out uh, of short-term maturities uh, and indeed longer on the curve as well. Good morning to you, sir.
0: Good morning. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, You're absolutely right. We see overall outflows of 57 billions. We see outflows from money markets and bonds, which from my point of view, um, driven by the fears of inflation and the rising interest rates, which might be caused by that. And on the other hand side, we still see appetite for risk um, from European investors as they bought into equities and to mixed-assets products.
3: Detlef, I just wanted to go to the commodities basket straight up. I can see that uh, the category here was plus 1.4 billion euros for the month. Uh, how normal is it to see that type of inflow, that type of appetite for commodity funds?
0: Well, um, you, you must understand that in the, in the fund world, commodity funds contains also uh, precious metals. So um, commodities funds in Europe in particular, opposite to the U.S., um, have lower flows. And what we see here is the, the, uh, I would say, the inflation hatch, um, which is taken into commodities as we see strongly rising commodity prices.
4: Uh, Delev, can I ask you about the mutual fund outflow? Because I think the other thing that really stood out to me here is the uh, 91.9 billion euro outflow uh, in the last few months from mutual funds, while uh, ETF, equity ETF flows have been positive. Does this tell you that investors are moving because they're unhappy with fund manager performance or is there something else going on?
0: I would assume it is some kind of um, a move from active to passive, but this is a a steady underlying trend, um, which is not as big in Europe as it is in the US. But from my point of view, we see the same behavior that investors showed in other times of market turmoil here, where we saw outflows from managed funds and inflows into passive instruments and the reason therefore is quite simple if you look on an active managed mutual fund if you buy these products you buy a black box if you buy an ETF you know exactly what you've got so what you see is what you've got you can trade it on the second you've got a high liquidity and you've got a high transparency and this is what investors are looking for in times of market turmoil
1: By nature of looking at this data, it is backward looking at what investors have done. But how good a predictive power do you think your lip research has as well? I mean, we're all fascinated by it, don't get me wrong. But, but I just wonder, because obviously the investors pouring now out of money market funds, pouring out of the bond funds, uh, how good an indicator is that of future moves uh, in central banks uh, and what they're doing with interest rates?
0: Well, if you look on, on, on fund flows, as you said, you're looking always backwards. Well, if you see a trend starting, um, you, you uh, can expect that this continues over the next few months, maybe the next year, um, depending on how strong this trend is. So we have witnessed the outflows from money market funds for a while now, um, and I would predict that this goes further on, um, even if the market turmoil um, is to increase over the next few days, weeks.
3: And Detlef Glow, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Head of EMEA Research, Refinitiv Lipper. We're going for a quick break. but coming up. NATO continues to reinforce its eastern flank. and We're going to cross to the Tapa Army Base in Estonia, where the UK has more than doubled its military presence since the war. We'll be right back.
1: The mayor of Lviv says Russian missiles have struck an area near the city's airport. The update comes from the mayor's Telegram account, which says the airport itself has not been attacked. Karen.
3: Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has spoken to France's Emmanuel Macron about support for Ukrainians amid the Russian offensive. Zelensky wrote on Twitter that the pair focused on the continuation of peaceful dialogue. On his Telegram account, Zelensky put further pressure on German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to play a more leading role in brokering a ceasefire, while saying Berlin's view of Russia is changing.
4: The UK has more than doubled its troop presence on NATO's eastern flank in Tapa, Estonia, where 4,000 troops are stationed. France and Denmark have also upgraded their military presence in the country. Well, Sylvia is doing a tour of the eastern flank for us and joins us now from Tapa Army Base in Estonia. Uh, Sylvia, just tell us what you're seeing there. Paint a picture.
6: Loads happening here on the ground, Jeff. But let me start with just a brief geographical context. We are at the Tapa military base. This is in the eastern part of Estonia, and we're roughly 70 miles away from the Russian border. But indeed, let me show you some of the equipment and the troops that are based here at Tapa. You can see behind me some of the French mountaineering troops. You can see that they have a different uniform from the other soldiers that are based here in Tapa. Up next, you can see a group of uh, Danish soldiers that are also present here at Tapa. There's roughly about 200 of them here as well. And then let me show you the group of engineers. Now, this is a very important one. And just look at the size of those pipelines. I mean, this is incredible. One of them, one of the soldiers was explaining to me that essentially this is used to build pathways for tanks to drive over when they are, for instance, in places where it's really difficult for the tanks to actually drive through. So that will help them in that regard. And then here we have essentially what is described as a bigger version of a tank. Now, this vehicle takes up to 10 soldiers during wartime And in order for the weapon to actually be used, this vehicle actually needs to be parked. So that is one of the characteristics that make up this vehicle. And then I want to show you the three tanks from the UK Battle Group that are also here stationed at uh, TAPA. And actually, I have to say that I was inside one of them yesterday. And there's a very interesting detail about these British tanks inside them there is a kettle so the soldiers can actually make their tea so I'll let you think about that one as well and then finally there's also some other equipment and uh, including these javelins that are currently used in Ukraine to stop tanks <laughs> You see a lot of the background music because later today there will be a ceremony here so the Royal Welsh Regiment officially takes over as the leading group of the NATO battle group that is based here in Tapa. And yesterday I actually caught up with the French commander of the troops here at Tapa and this is what he had to say about their mission here. Our mission here is to protect the population, is to defend and it's to be ready for any aggression that is uh, the role of the soldiers here uh, to be ready as always to be deter to deter and also uh, to uh, to be um, sure that everything is okay about the defense of estonia and um, and also uh, i think um, uh, for the Estonian people, it's um, it's it's good to know that there is a lot of uh, uh, NATO soldiers in their country.
4: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com
3: or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho weekdays on CNBC.